0: This is Chris from Play Comics and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World.
1: I'm Chris McBrian and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
0: And I'm Derek Myers and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
1: Episode 110, Meatballs movie review. <laughs> Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, caveman, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You'll find us on Twitter at CMcBrien or at Amaron underscore DM, and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information on it. Derek, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing well, Chris. How are you doing this week? I can't complain. I'm getting ready to go on vacation next week, so I'm quite excited about that, I'm going to say
0: well and i i just finished two weeks myself i've been back at work for a few days and uh so yeah I, I let me tell you from personal experience vacationing is awesome and it really does what it's supposed to it recharges the batteries which i know you've been burning the candle at both ends uh you deserve a vacation more than anyone i know
1: oh thank you very much yeah it's been uh, a lot with with the job and with the other po- the little podcast here and of course i'm working on my mba you know, so this has been it's been busy. I'm looking forward and to your full time dad. I'm a full time dad. And uh, I've still got the NBA to do to do next week. Lots of uh, essays and reading and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'll find some time to get some pop culture. Did you get any pop culture in over your holiday at all? Or was it just relaxing by the pool?
0: Um, nothing really since the last time we, uh, we recorded a show. That was sort of the tail end of my uh, my vacation. So I think I gave you a pretty long list of things I had done. And this week has really just been getting focused, being back at work. I had been away two weeks, so there was quite a bit to catch up on. And I'm actually taking another couple of weeks, uh, you know, not long from now. So I have a very short window while I'm at work to get quite a bit of stuff done. So it's really just head, heads down, get the work done, focused on work. And then uh, once that's done, it'll be back to focusing on fun.
1: Oh, there you go. My uh, my pop culture news for the week is actually bad news. So, I crawl in bed the other night and I put the TV on, and then I woke my wife up because I went no, and she woke up and she's like, "What's going on? What's wrong?" So you know how I've told you the story before how we have the Roku stick and I watch. Yes. There's an app on there, Bob Ross, the joy of painting, and it's got oh, like yeah, 13 yeah, yeah. seasons. I go and every night like when I go crawl in bed, I put it on and I watch it. I just love Bob Ross, the joy of painting. So I go to put an episode on because it just it's soothing and it puts me to sleep so anyway so i go to put it on and it says this app is no longer available i was like no i can't believe it so there are some episodes on netflix i found they're a bit later ones and they're ones where he like brings animals on and stuff like that so it's still cool he does painting and stuff but it's just those early this one was like the first couple seasons and i just really liked it it's just so i don't know It's just something about it. I just really, really love that show. But anyway, it's gone. So the Roku app of Bob Ross is no longer. But uh, there are some other great things uh, with pop culture. So what do you say we get to our movie this week? You ready?
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go.
1: Ishtar. <laughs> this movie was so bad. Most people hate this movie. Maybe looking at it with today's lens. I personally like this movie. It was f-ing terrible. Lip smacking, back slapping, perfectly delicious. Just awful. I can't, I can't think of anything good to say about it. I like what I like. You know, I make no apologies about it. Turnabout is fair play. I've literally watched 10 seasons of Bob Ross, The Joy of Painting. It is fantastic. At least we didn't lead lives of quiet desperation. OK, so this week uh, I had the opportunity to nominate uh, a movie. Of course, I go with a Jet X film, as I am want to do every week. And I went all the way back to uh, 1979 and that was Meatballs. And I've talked about this movie, you know, umpteen, you know, times on the podcast already. Uh, so I decided it was about time that we went back and watched it and we came back and talked about it. Do you want to start us off? You had to watch the movie what are your initial thoughts after all this time? I mean, it's basically 40 years old. I can't believe the movie is 40 years old. But uh, anyway, so Derek, what were your initial thoughts on going back and watching Meatballs again after all this time?
0: Okay. So the, I, I watched Meatballs for the very first time about two years ago. And it was one of the- Really? Times, like you'd never yeah, seen it before? Never seen it. Oh, never wow. interested in seeing it. No desire to see it. Was not interested at all. Okay. Uh, and again, it came out in 79. Yep. I would have only been uh, five years old. So yep. a little before my time. Um, but no, I'd heard you talk about it. A lot of other people had talked about it. And so it was on the list of, well, you know, if I've got some time, I, I, I might, if, if the, you know, if the stars align and everything falls into place. Well, a couple of years ago, we were getting some of the premium uh, uh, cable channels where you had like movies from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yes. And this was one of the ones that was on one of the channels and- I think actually you and I had been talking, I saw it in the lineup, I called you up, I'm like, yep. Chris, 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 it's coming on next, yep. you know, on Friday night, like, and I think we both recorded it. If so I, I recorded recording. it too, yep. Yeah, so that was the first time I had ever seen the movie, and I, I didn't love it then. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I didn't care for it. And then now, last week you, you nominated it, so I said, okay, mm-hmm. I will make a point of watching it again, even though... It didn't wow me so much the first time because sometimes you watch a movie again and you pick up some details or you – now that you sort of know where the ending is, you can pick stuff up earlier in the movie or whatever. There's lots of reasons you may enjoy a movie more the second time. I did not enjoy this any more the second time. <laughs> it uh, – yeah. It was not something I would recommend. It is not something I think I ever need to see again. Um I don't know. It just, it it was really a movie from a very interesting time. Mm -hmm. And so it is certainly the, the, the movie out of time. Like if I think if I was a much younger viewer and I didn't remember a time, like, obviously, like I said, I was only five years old when it came out, but I grew up in the eighties, which was not that far removed and things hadn't changed that much between, say, 1979 and 1984, especially around the behavior of young people. So I, I could sort of identify with some of the things the kids did. Not necessarily that I did those things, but I could I could understand it. I knew people who, who did go to camp for a summer and, and would come back with stories and things like that. But um, I think it really is – of its time and not necessarily in a bad way. Like we've talked about things like I'll bring up revenge of the nerds again. When you mm, watch sure. it now, there are just things in there that you're like, wow, that is so inappropriate. <laughs> right. And, and at the time they sort of looked the other way. This movie didn't have so much of that. No, it, it wasn't, didn't. Nope. it, it was, certainly wasn't like a gross out comedy. Nope. It, I would not refer to it as a teen sex comedy. Nope. Uh, I don't even think there was any nudity in this, if I nope. remember correctly. None. Yeah. Um, no, there was certainly some, uh, Mature scenes and Mm -hmm. uh, where some of the counselors make out and there was certainly some uh, more mature conversations, uh, sometimes at the humorous expense of one of the characters. Um, But other than that, it's certainly tame by today's standards, probably even tame by those standards in 1979. Yep. Um, But it really it what what I really took away from it when I watched it this time uh, was how much things have changed and how much um just how much change comes from both the parents of kids that were these ages in 1979 and the parents of kids that would that would have kids this age today so i'm thinking back to again when i was youngster parents would do what they did here you drive into the parking lot you kiss the kid goodbye and that's it and you don't see them for a couple of months while they're off at camp and when they're at camp you have these counselors that in some cases are only a few years older than them, and they have complete autonomy over what to do, when to do it. There's one or two grown-up counselors, but certainly not to the ratio you might expect. There's like one point where the counselors say to the rest of the kids, OK, kids, we're going to, on a overnight. We'll see you tomorrow yep. or the next day. They leave. Yeah. yeah, they just straight up leave them at the cabins. It's like that would absolutely not fly today, largely no. for for – Legality. Insurance uh, and, reasons. And, you yeah, know, it's like insurance. That. Yeah. yeah you, if it's something sued, happened, it. they'd be sued and that'd be the end of it. Um, but I think that says something about the time the movie was created and the movie was shot. Like you think kids that would have been of that age in the late 70, in the late 70s and early 80s would have had parents that came of age most likely in the 60s. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm coming of age in the 60s, I'm coming from a very conservative, conformist time frame and in homestead. And then you've got all this social and political change. You've got all this rebelling against the system. Uh, you know, you've got women's rights, you've got, uh, the rights of black people, you, you know, like it's, it's the world is changing for the better. More people are able to do more things as they always should have been. And we're finally going to start acknowledging that. So if that's the mentality of your parents, they were these, you know, uh, we'll say hippies in the most positive way. If you can say hippies in a positive way, you got to think your parents were probably hippies in one form or another. Of course, they're going to be okay with sending the kids to camp, right. and they're not going to be like, "Oh, my kid stubbed his toe. I'm suing your camp. I want a million bucks." Today, that's just that's not how it would work. So, from that point of view, I, I actually found it enjoyable just to to remember how much freedom, how carefree. The kids, the parents, and everybody—the the the, the establishment—really was back in the late seventies, for sure. Okay, from there I'm going to throw it over to you. First. Okay, so you mentioned
1: three things that stuck out to me, and I think we're gonna—they're going to be recurring themes throughout this podcast. Uh, number one was coming of age. You mentioned that. I think we need to to come back to that. Uh, you also mentioned tame, and you mentioned dated. So all those three things, I think, are going to be recurring themes. But what I'd like to do is kind of just kind of walk through the film a little bit and then kind of wade through all those themes. I just want to start out by saying, first of all, as much as I talk about this movie and how much I love it, I probably hadn't seen it in 20 years. And I remember when you said, oh, it's on this this channel, that free preview channel it's on. I recorded it, but I just sat on it. I didn't have a chance to watch it. And I didn't have a chance to watch it until two nights ago. Two nights ago, I sat down and I watched it. Okay, so... Watching this movie after all this time, I got to say, I absolutely loved it. I loved every single minute of sitting through that movie. And, and I was thinking about it today, and I had a chance to reflect on it. And I thought, well, what is it about this movie that I just love so much? And why did I love watching it so much? And I'm taken back to uh, when Yancey was on this podcast, because he once said something that has always stuck with me. And I think it was a very, very true statement. And his statement was this. He said, nostalgia is a powerful drug. And he's right, because I, it was an extremely nostalgic thing for me to go back and watch this movie. And so then it, bring, it brought me around to thinking, well, why do I like it so much? But I think you gotta, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You got to think about the time in which the movie was. So in 1978, Animal House came out, right? And, and from that period of 78 till about 88, from Animal House until maybe coming to America. Like R-rated movies in that period, they just ruled the roost, right? Like they were the biggest thing. These R-rated comedies, a lot of them teen sex comedies. And then in the middle of all of this, there's this little PG movie, Meatballs, that like you said, it's tame. There's no nudity. There's no sex scenes in it. There's innuendos, right? And we'll get to those. But I think for me, that's one of the things I loved about it. The fact that it's, it's kind of almost like innocent in a lot of ways it's not like those other sex comedies it's not r-rated you know it was bill murray's first movie so there's that and I, I think there was a lot of innocent fun in this movie and especially for a nine-year-old you know back in 1979 like i was when i first saw it other things too is the fact that it was shot in Lindsay and in halliburton and for listeners in the united states they have no idea what i'm talking about these are little places outside of Toronto I live north of Toronto and these places are very close to me and even when I was growing up I didn't grow up here in the in the city that I'm in right now but it was it was not far away and just the fact that oh they they're gonna shoot a movie like in you know in 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 Ontario that's so cool right Bill Murray's gonna be in it so I think that was a, a real thing for me like remember the opening scene when the buses all pull in in the parking lot and they're in like the yeah. parking lot of like, like the mall. Well, yeah. that's, it was a Kmart. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that. That's I the, did. that was a, that's the old Kmart in Lindsay where they shot that. And one of the cool things was that that scene when Bill Murray comes in and he's wearing the Hawaiian shirt, remember in the red shorts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He showed up. So they, they didn't know they cast him in the movie, but they didn't know if he was going to show up and actually do this movie. This was his first movie. He was on SNL for one year and Ivan Reitman convinced him to be in this movie. and But they didn't know until the last second if he was even going to show up. And they're getting ready to shoot the opening scene. And lo and behold, a car pulls up and Bill Murray pops out of the back seat of the car. And he's wearing this Hawaiian shirt and shorts and just walks right in and starts doing the scene. Those were his clothes. He didn't even go to wardrobe. And also the fact it's it, so it's, it's his first movie. And it was also Ivan Reitman's first movie. It was his first movie directed. And he had produced Animal House. And when he produced Animal House, it was actually that movie was actually based on his time at McMaster and Hamilton. But this was his first time that he ever directed a movie. So I think all those things that are kind of together, Bill Murray's first movie, Ivan Reitman's first movie, it's shot in Canada. It's an innocent movie. It's not restricted. All those things were very appealing to me and they've always been appealing to me. And those are some of the reasons why I liked it. So a lot of other reasons, too, we're going to get into tonight, but that kind of sets the stage. Does that make sense?
0: yeah for sure so i i got an important question for you then as a youngster did you ever go to summer camp like as it's shown maybe not as wacky as the one they went to but did you ever go to camp for a week or more where you stayed overnight and and it was just you and other kids and counselors
1: that is such a great question because that is the thing i've talked about on this podcast almost since day one that i really enjoy movies and stuff that i relate to and characters that i relate to and settings that i relate to and i've had a chance to reflect on this you know pretty much my whole life because I'm like, I loved this movie right from when I was a kid, right from the get-go when I was a kid. And the funny thing is I have never been to camp. Never, never been to summer camp. It's just never been. a So like, I'm wondering like, wow, why did I relate to this so much? You know, it's just so weird. And I don't know. I think it was, maybe it was because I remember there was a time when I was in grade six, I want to say, and there was this grade six trip that we went on to this outdoor education center. And the idea to me was that it was just so intriguing. We went there and we all stayed in tents.
0: And there was girls. I, I think all students in Ontario went there, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, probably.
1: And, and it was like all, it, it was intriguing because it was girls and boys were all there together. Yeah. And this, of course, sparks a lot of curiosity, you know, in an 11-year-old brain, right? And I think this movie made me relate to that like especially in the scene as you mentioned when the counselors go on that overnight like like that scene was in a lot of ways was all about sex right even though it's it's just implied you know and and even though i didn't totally get it you know as a young youngster watching the, that I, I guess i just was intrigued by it and thought well i remember when we went away to that trip and that was like hmm, you know it just your mind starts wandering when you start to get to a certain age when you're young right but i don't know i i I think it's more than that. Obviously, it's it's a really good little movie. I think there's there's some there's so much about it that I really really liked. I don't know. We're going to get to lots of it, but we mentioned about uh, it being dated as well, like in the opening scene. So I just want to kind of go through the movie if we could, and we'll just sure. kind of break it down. Like in the opening scene when he plays the like he's going to play the national anthem and he doesn't. He plays this song, but it's like a record player. And yeah. right from the get go, I'm like, oh boy, this movie's dated. There's a record player there, and then and the other thing too, just off the top of my head. Meatballs. Even the title? I don't know what it means. Like it's always intrigued me. Like what why meatballs? Why the title?
0: I, I think uh someone just asked me that too when I told them how to watch this. Um I think at one point in the movie they refer to some of the losers as hey you meatballs, like it's sort of like a derogatory term for losers. Well, but yes. I think they only do it once in the movie. Like it's it's not like through the whole movie that's like, oh, you guys are from 10 to 11. You're a bunch of meatballs. Like it's not if that's the case that I, I don't think they really did it enough to warrant this title. But again, maybe it was more common slang in the 70s. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, there's, there really is only the scene when they're on the tennis court. And um and they're
1: and they're playing doubles, Larry and Spaz. Yeah. And, yeah. and then La- and then they miss it. And Larry's like, I thought you said you had it, meatball. That's really the only time there's the scene in the in kind of like the mess hall when they're playing the song, you know, meatballs, yeah. meatballs. But it's like I don't really understand why the title. But anyway, so another thing that I
0: really. It's probably an inside joke from the writers and the producers that just doesn't translate well. I guess I'm not really sure.
1: Um, so another thing I like about it is the fact that, like I say, it's shot in Canada. Right. And so it's hard to explain to American listeners, but as a Canadian, if you when you're a big fan of movies and stuff, to, to have something that's your own like something that is shot here in Canada and made in Canada, it becomes very endearing, even to me at a young age. Even at nine years old, I liked Saturday Night Live. Like, you know, whether or not I should have been watching it or not at the time, I loved it. And I just thought it was great. I would stay up late and watch it. I loved Mr. Bill. I loved all that stuff. And so the idea that this guy from from Saturday Night Live was going to come to, you know, close by and shoot a movie here in Canada, and the fact that they used a lot of Canadian actors in it, like Sarah Torkoff, I mean, she didn't do much else after. She did a movie called uh, If You Could See What I Hear. I remember shot in Toronto, and I like that movie. Uh, Matt Craven. I have an interesting story about Matt Craven, funny enough. Um, years ago, when I was an actor with the Niagara Falls Music Theatre Society, I did Summer Stock there, and I remember them saying, oh, uh, Matt Craven used to act here at this theatre. And he's got on to make movies. He was in Meatballs, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, Matt Craven was here. That's so cool. And even Harvey Atkin. I
0: was going to say Harvey Atkin. God, I recognize he, just, he used to do a bunch. of. I think we were Leon's commercials here. He did the voiceover of Leon's commercials.
1: And also he was on Cagney and Lacey. He had sure. a, he had a big part on that, which was a big American you know, TV show. I mean, you know, so he kind of broke through there. I remember he was in a, a Canadian horror movie called Funeral Home that I really liked too. It was, you know, and um, and of course, uh, Kate Lynch. I thought was really, really good. Um, I, I think she's a really good actress, actually. And Chris Makepeace, of course, um, you know, from My Bodyguard. But anyway, so there's the opening scene with the with the record player. I'm going off on tangents, as I probably will with this movie. And so the opening scene. And then I just, I don't know. There's just, I just, I found myself the other night watching it and just laughing. Like, when, I love Bill Murray. He, he's just so improvisational in nature. He gets up and it's just like he's in such bad shape that he's like talking on the microphone and he's like, oh! your head counselor like he's just he just incorporates like pain into when he talks and then he goes into the bathroom and then flushes the toilet and you hear it on the microphone and i realize like this is the kind of stuff kids laugh at like this movie's kind of innocent in a lot of ways the humor is not um you know it's not r rated it's almost like kids kind of stuff i don't know and 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 then when they go go back to the scene in the parking lot of the kmart I also noticed and i never noticed this before you know because it's been so long there's a photo mat in the parking lot oh in the
0: parking you remember lot? those
1: things yeah they were like these and for anyone that has no idea you i guess you could google it it was like a small little kiosk that would be like in the middle of the parking lot that you would like drive up to you just drive up to yeah and you would hand your film to them and from your camera and it would be kodak Photo mat, Right. And then you would hand it to them and then they would give you like a chit or something like that. And you'd come back in like two weeks and then you'd pick up your developed film, you know, because they would send it off somewhere. Right. This is the way that they did it. But uh, I just I saw that. and I thought, Oh, boy, I that's so dated. The,
0: the, I always remember the scene in Back to the Future when the DeLorean uh, goes crashing through one of them in the parking lot. Oh, yes, that's right. Very, very good point. Yeah. Um, and yeah.
1: then, and I, and I got thinking, and and so I'm watching this movie. Like I said, I recorded it off of the uh, the channel that you told me to. And there's a little warning up in the corner. that says 14 plus. Like, that's the way right. I'm thinking, why is this movie rated 14 plus? And like I said to my wife, I, I I think I would like my son to watch this at some point. And she's like, no way there's she's because she read about it online. She's like, there's sexual in your end and there and there's bad language. And I'm like, I don't think so. So then I watched it. And right from the get go on the opening scene. Yeah, they say the S word. So right away, I'm like, oh, geez. So they do swear in this a little bit. And I count it four times. They use the S word. Um so anyway, yeah, it was pretty mild.
0: It's mild, day. but now still. I think Chris, in your household, with you as the dad, he's probably heard that word before,
1: <laughs> or worse, maybe I don't know. Probably worse. So, um So, oh, another thing that comes to mind too when I was mentioning about Matt Craven, again, kind of like a theater connection there. I remember when I when I was at the uh, the, the the summer stock there when I was doing uh, theater in Niagara Falls, I had a director. And I remember she told me she was from Halliburton, which is where they shot this movie. And she lived there at the time that they shot the movie. And she told me the story. about Remember remember, Sp- remember, when the parents come and Spaz's dad is backing up the car? yeah, And Spaz's like, more, more, more. And bang. Oh, sorry, dad. And he's like pushes his glasses up. He's a nerd, too, with the glasses and the tape. Well, he has no lines in the movie. But I remember her telling me a story. She's like, Spaz's dad was like a guy in the town. We knew him. He was like one of my friend's dads. And he was in the movie because they put a lot of locals in the movie as extras, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I read the trivia. That's what I found, too. They said they used a lot of locals and they, again, Canadian production. I'm sure there were tax credits.
1: And so, yeah. So so she said, oh, this guy that plays Spaz, played Spaz's dad, it was, like I knew him. And then he was in the movie and then he just disappeared. Like <laughs> nobody knew where he went. We don't know if he like... Up and moved to Hollywood, like to try and become a star. He just disappeared. So I just thought that was a weird thing. Um, anyway, so the opening scene, again, I like the guy with the microphone that's interviewing and he's got a great voice, right? And he's like a radio guy and he's interviewing. And then, of course, Bill Murray just steps in and starts improvising. Yeah, for a thousand dollars. Yeah, and they get to do this and it gets named King of Sexual Awareness Week. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe my son probably shouldn't watch parts of this. You know, again, it's a little bit, a lot of innuendos and stuff. But... Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And and, and so I noticed uh, one of the, the counselors in that scene was wearing a shirt that said Camp North Star on it. Cave, I don't know what you got to do. I don't know where you got to go. You got to get me one of those T-shirts. I want to a...
0: go into my time machine, I think. Oh,
1: man, I don't know. I bet may, I may, if I went on eBay or something, I could probably find one. Um, I love there's a there's a, a scene that they, they go into the camp and where this kid says or like the, the counselors. OK, well, now we got to go have a rest because it's all like young kids. Right oh, yeah, it's time for you kids to go have a rest. And like, what kid? He, I don't know, he looks like he's about four. He goes, if I wanted to have rest, I would have stayed in Cleveland. Like, I, mean, I just thought it was a funny <laughs> line. I don't know. And that's a scene where the the frog, remember the frog was dead? Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then the counselor was like being a nice guy. And I realized, like, I, this movie is innocent. There's an innocence to this movie, I think. And then... I I laughed out loud in this scene when they were talking about, oh, we're going to play a soccer game. What are we going to do? We're going to kill him. What are we do? We're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And then Spaz, we're going to kill him. <laughs> like, he just does it out of order. Like, he's such a nerd, you know? Oh, man, I tell you. Um, and then there's that scene in the diner when, when Rudy, he he wants to leave, right? Chris Bakeby's yeah. character. Yeah. And he's just sitting there and he's having, like, a, a coke. And he's, he's got his Greyhound ticket and I'm looking at that and I'm just, and, and what came to my mind was I thought, you know, it's so dated too, because if that was today, he'd be sitting there on his phone. But
0: well, back in the he wouldn't be there by himself. True. Would, that's a good be point. Calling him. Oh my God, where are your parents? Oh, well they have to be charged with, you know, careless childcare because they let their 10 year old kid alone at a bus station. Oh no. Well, Bill Murray does just come in. It's a different time.
1: Yeah. Bill Murray does come in because he was looking for him. Remember? and Bill Murray comes in and and again Bill Murray's almost improvisational
0: like Well I read I read that that scene was not in the original movie and then when they did their original cut, it was too short. So they went back and put some more scenes in and they tried to get, obviously they wanted Bill Murray and some more scenes. And Mm -hmm. that whole scene at the bus station was added after. And exactly to your point, it was, it was very bare bones script. They're just like, Hey, go ahead, do some stuff and we'll see what we can use.
1: Well, I know? know that originally in the script, they had more scenes with the counselors, like the counselors in training, the CITs, as they call themselves. There was lots of scenes with them and they, they cut them back and they added more scenes with Bill Murray and Chris Makepeace. To get yep. Bill Murray more, more screen time and also just to have that side story kind of going, you know, and, and speaking of which, like Bill Murray, again, speaking to there's something about the innocence of this movie that I just I don't know. I've always really liked uh, Bill Murray has a great line there. And I don't know if it was improvised or not. You're you're saying that scene was kind of added afterward. Yep. He, he delivers a great line because he says, if you make one good friend a summer, you're doing pretty well. And I just I don't know. There's something about, I've, I've even said that to my son before. You know, again, at school, if you make one good, good friend at school, you're doing pretty good, you know? Um, And then I love that Bill Murray grabs his head and he's like, he's nodding. Are we going to go? And I'm realizing Chris Bakepeace had some crazy hair. (laughs) Like, he just had some bad, bad hair. It was the 70s, man. Yeah. Lay off the hair. And then, um, so anyway, so then they they go back and then there's the scene where hardware. That's Matt Craven, where he's going to hook up the air conditioning unit. Remember he yeah. stole it from Morty's office, yeah, and there was just something. I just started laughing again because then there's Larry, the the the, the chubby guy, uh, Fink. He's he's sitting there watching. He's just sitting there, just eating a bag of Oreos, just just like they're, like their potato chips, <laughs> like yeah. like jeez. And then the scene when they're uh, um, when Tripper is with Roxanne. And he's getting kind of like like aggressive with her. Now they have a history too, right? You can tell. And he's yeah. like, he's like, you, just the line that he gives. I just, I don't know why I found it funny. And he's like, I have what doctors call very active glands. <laughs> and I just, I just laugh because I'm thinking, like, it's it's a PG movie, so they've got to make these kind of statements without being R-rated, right? And then, right. and then, oh, and then Morty walks in and Roxanne's like on top of him. So going back to Rudy for a second, um, I loved the fact. That there's a message here. There's a message in this movie too. I think that's always sort of reached me. That is everybody's good at something. Like because Rudy notices Tripper running, he's out jogging, so he goes out and, and joins him, and he and you realize like he's a really good runner, you know. Like and it ends up playing up later in the scene. Um. So I don't know. There's there's that. I'm a huge fan of Animal House. I've mentioned that before. There's that inspirational talk scene that Bill Murray gives. Remember, like, like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's a bit later in the film, but that's a total it, it homage. me a little
0: of uh, the scene in Animal House. It where it's is. It's like, when the
1: Germans bump. Yeah, huh? exactly. Right? But yeah, the yeah. Germans, uh, he's on a roll. Yeah. yeah, that whole scene with Belushi and animals, I agree. Um, so then there's that kind of, I don't know if it was like a, uh, a, like a Olympics kind of thing, like the play day sequence, yeah. you know? So that was. But that's, a,
0: but that's like a. Sorry, I'm going to jump in here. Yeah, no, of course. I, one of the things that I found, and and you sort of beat me to the punch on it, a little bit of this, was that this movie to me was very formulaic. Uh, pardon me, was very formulaic. Not so much at the time, but it sort of spawned a lot of copycats, where you get this ensemble cast together of relative unknowns. You sort of have all the different archetypes represented. You throw them su- through some, you know, zany activities. And by the end of it, you have a message, some sort of message, at least one or two of the characters have had some, you know, growth as a character. They've they've either done something wrong and have learned from it or they've gone through some hardship and overcome it. And, uh, you know, I think that's reminiscent of most kids movies, uh, regardless of when they were made. But this one, to me, again, because it was older and probably I don't want to say the first, but like maybe one of the first kind of movies to to, to, to be successful and, and follow this formula. Um, it just, to me, I could, I could immediately think of other movies where I'm like, Oh, this, you know, this clearly was the blueprint for newer movies like this. Um, and, and so I, obviously I'll give meatballs credits in, in that sense. Now, like I said, I don't know how many movies that followed this pattern came out before it. If meatballs is just another follower, but I'd like to think given the talent that put this movie together, it was hopefully the first one to come up with some of these things.
1: This movie is very seminal. As I mentioned earlier, it was Bill Murray's first movie, Ivan Reitman's first movie as a director. Harold Ramis worked on the script. There's there's some really big talent that was going on in this movie. But just going back to what you were saying about how it's uh, it influenced other things, with Revenge of the Nerds, I think it, it this that scene with kind of the, 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 all the events, it really, I think, had... Uh, an effect on, on Revenge of the Nerds in the scene. Remember when the nerds had to do like the talent show and all that? Like yeah. it reminded me when I'm watching Revenge of the Nerds, I'm like, this is just like meatballs, you know? And I don't think that's the only similarity between these movies because of this is that Meatballs to me is one of the first movies that I ever remember that featured nerds actually being the hero. Yeah. Like, like that just never
0: happened before. Like this was the first time ever nerds were like winning, you know? I don't even want to say nerds as much. Like, hey, some of them were nerds. But I think it's more just average kids. Like it wasn't – that in in a lot of movies that came after this, you had like the rich preppy jocks uh, who were clearly representing the popular crowd. And then you had like the nerds who usually were academically excelling, not good in sports, usually not as much money, that kind of thing. Whereas this one to me just seemed more like – yeah they clearly weren't the rich kids They didn't go to the rich camp But it wasn't necessarily that they were all nerds It was just that they were more The average everyman And that's why I say like there's all the archetypes Represented you got the fat kid you got the nerdy Kid you got the guy who thinks he's a ladies man But is nowhere near that you got the, <laughs> the cracking counselor yeah. you got the You know like all the types are represented Here and I think you need To have them all represented so that You know the various scenes can come together nicely Um But, yeah, you know, I can definitely see it as a precursor to Revenge of the Nerds, which, you know, right in its title tells you this is about nerds. This is straight up the outcast, the brainies, the whatever. Uh, I don't think this one – like at the time, I think the term nerd was certainly more mean-spirited. And uh, I I didn't get the sense that any of these characters were looked down on by their peers. I think that there was certainly that that brotherhood and camaraderie. Um, Again, it was almost like this – this disillusion of the of the lines where we're just all here you know it's the guys it's the girls it's we're all going to be friends and and you went from there
1: yeah and 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 like i say like in that period of time from 78 to 88 all those r-rated sex comedies this thing still stands out as just kind of like a just a totally different movie because it was just so innocent the the scene um where they're playing cards And they're drinking the club soda and belching again, like just it's just kids humor. Right. And I actually really, really love that blackjack scene because it gives Bill Murray a chance to improvise as a lot of the scenes in the movie he does. But it also establishes just how kind and caring that he is to this lonely camper, you know, and then this is where, again, I think the movie is very innocent because then he's like, I got to go. We're going on a midnight excursion. And then he even goes into the, 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 the CIT's room and he get, gathers up the guys. And he goes, OK, we're doing a midnight thing. Run here. And the one guy goes, oh, we're going on a panty raid, Tripper? No, if it was Revenge of the Nerds, that's what they would do. But in this movie, they don't do that. It's more innocent. So what do they do? They go to Morty's <laughs> room and then they, they tie him up when he's sleeping in his cot. And they take him out and they put them up in a tree <laughs> like it's just <laughs> innocent fun you know like yeah. I, I don't know it's just and then the parents come in the next day and morty's like suspended from the tree and they're all driving by hey mickey No are you
0: know, Yeah, honking yeah
1: <laughs> you know, they probably went to camp too because they all call him mickey you know yeah. um and again like i said i never went to camp so i don't know why i like this movie so much probably like i said, because i saw it when i was nine uh, and it's just it's just a little bit naughty you know enough for a nine-year-old To be naughty, which, by the way, takes me to the next scene when Larry and Spaz are under the
0: cabin that I liked that (laughs) reminded me. So this to me was the precursor for Porky's. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then then when they're underneath
1: there and then Spaz gets out, and the girls come out and they realize that they're underneath there spying on them. And yeah. so they reef his pants off. They reef Larry's pants off. And then he, of course, he has like, are you a homo or what? Like, it's just like so 70s. Right. And then I love the next day. Uh, Tripper's doing his announcement. You know, good morning, everybody. And also there's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning. Again, just innocent kind of humor. Like, it's just uh, fun. And then, of course, the parents are coming in. And of course, Morty's caught us at the side of the road. It's like this running gag, right? I just, I don't know. And then um, when they go on to the, the sort of the contest where like they're going to go up against Mohawk and they're playing basketball and these these Mohawk guys look like NBA pros and then you got North Star in like cut off shirts, like no sleeves. And of course, Larry Fink is out on the court. He's eating like a chocolate bar while we're playing. Yeah. I don't know. And then I, I, I laughed and laughed at this when Morty shows up late because he's sleeping on the side of the road, right? Because they put him out there. So he shows up on a bike. And then and Bill Murray's like, oh, nice team spirit. <laughs> and then the one girl, I think it was Sarah Torgoff's character, her character she's like, where were you, young man? Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. Just, it's innocent. And then what do they do? They pants the other team. Like, they pull their shorts down. Right? Like, again, it's just all juvenile stuff. I love, like, talk about being dated. Right? I, I love when they go to the, the social, I think they call it, and they're having the dance. And they're playing Making It by david Naughton, which i've mentioned on this podcast before it's one of my favorite one hit wonders do you recognize that song in that no, scene I, I didn't oh it's like this old you remember david Naughton? remember he was in uh the I dr pepper he was in the dr pepper commercials he was in american werewolf from london american werewolf from I, london
0: I, I believe you i just don't okay. remember it. And
1: so then he came out with this like disco song and it was like this big hit and uh and there's that so you mentioned earlier uh and I, I just mentioned it was one of my favorite characters. The guy that's like thinks he's the ladies man. The guy who wears the glasses. Yeah. Remember, it was like Lance Cashman. So his name is Ron Barry. This is his only film role he ever had. And to me, he had the two best lines in the whole movie because he's at the social and he's like trying to pick up a girl and he's talking to her. And so how does he do it? He's like, well, I paid $200 for these shoes. But I mean, I'm the best. Like, it's just stupid. <laughs> line. Like, and then my other favorite line is when the one guy, uh, Crockett, is talking to the girl. And, he's, and she's like, I really like you. And he's like, I thought you liked Lance Cashman. And he's like, oh, Lance, Lance Cashman's a total jerk-off. And he's like, jerk-off? I don't jerk-off. Like, it's these stupid, like, lines. I don't know. Oh, man. I noticed one thing that was interesting. Again, having not even seen this movie in so long, like, I was able to pick up on little things. There's a scene with Wheels and AL when they go back to her room. And he's, like, taking out the food. And he's like, hey, this is our third anniversary, you know? Behind her on her headboard is her theater headshot. It's like a theater black and white theater headshot like you would use to try and get a job, you know, in acting. It's like sitting there on her mantle, which I thought was weird. And then right after that is just he just cuts to this scene where someone's like water skiing. <laughs> Bill Murray's like, "Hey, you on the water skis?" And the bird's like, "Ah!" <laughs> and awesome. they fall yeah. again. Juvenile, stupid, stupid stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just I love this. They go on the, the overnight or whatever, like when they go away, and then the the girl, went, Wendy's in the pink bikini, and Spaz just drops his paddle in the water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keeps paddling. Yeah, yeah drops there's the like nothing there. I, and then Kate Lynch, I'm telling you, I, I don't know whatever happened to Kate Lynch. Uh, she played Roxanne. I think she is a, just an outstanding actress. I don't know. She, she jumped out to me in this movie. I don't know. The scene then, they're all sitting around the campfire, and they're gonna, he's going to tell like a scary story. And, and it's just so funny. The camera pans around. Every single one of them is there with a girl, like they're all paired up, except Larry, who's just eating a whole bag of marshmallows. <laughs> like, like they're like, like it's like chips or something. He's just eating marshmallows. I don't know. And then Tripper tells the scary story about the guy with the hook on his hand. Right. And then Spaz is like, "Well, I heard that story before, but I, I heard that the guy was missing a foot." Missing a foot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> it, innocent stuff. I don't know. It. I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's more than the fact that it's just a lot of fun. I, I think it's a good little movie. I think there's some good Canadian actors in it. Like I say, it's got Bill Murray. He's a comedy icon. And in, in, in a lot of ways, it's innocent. And going back to what your, one of your original points is, I think it's a coming of age movie. And I think in today's day and age, you know, young man, as I always say, um, you can access anything you want online. You could pick up your phone and you could look at anything, like sexual stuff, anything. I think there's something to be said about an innocent coming-of-age movie.
0: Don't you? Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's like I sort of said before. I I don't necessarily think this would appeal or keep the attention of younger kids today. But if they were to sit through it all, uh, I think they would get out of it a lot of what you're talking about. Um, But I think – you would mention uh, one of the things you said before as well is is the relatability factor. And for me, I mean, I I went to scout camp and I stayed, you know, for a couple of years in a row. I went away for a couple of weeks and, and did the whole thing, and just it just never appealed to me. I, I I could see why people enjoyed it, and hey, I certainly enjoyed parts of it. But it, you know, uh, after a couple of years, my parents would say, "Do you want to go back next year?" I'm like, "No, nah, I'm good. I've done it. Uh, I, I know what it's all about, and I, I'm out." Um, so from from a certain point of view, I could relate to some of the scenes in the movie. Um, but I, I just didn't really enjoy it as much as I, you know, as much as you probably do, oh well, definitely not as much as you do, but maybe not as much as you would hoped I would. It, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I've seen it. Well, what, I'm good. A, what about Bill Murray? I mean, you like Bill Murray, don't you? You're, you're a fan of Bill Murray's? Yeah, for sure. Like, cause um, he's
1: so much bigger than life in some ways. And I think you take him and you drop him into this little Canadian movie about summer camp. With kids, but really, it's the perfect vehicle for his talent. Perfect, you know. And I think it was just what he needed to launch his movie career.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it would have been uh, as good, or potentially, I don't know how successful it was, but how successful it would have been with someone else in it. I think he certainly brought that X factor that really helped propel the movie, and, and still does. Exactly like you said, you look at it now, and and knowing what he becomes, you can definitely see a lot of the the talent just bursting out of the seams um so i mean the movie definitely has some parts and and you've mentioned a lot of them where there are these funny scenes and these good parts but as a whole it was an hour and a half i i i didn't feel that it was a good good use of my time i i wouldn't recommend it again maybe if someone's got a 10 year old they want to watch it with their kid great but you know if uh if Yancey asked me if I thought he'd like this, I'm like, Yancy. no, I would pass. <laughs> I guess maybe because there was like some
1: feel good moments in it, too, that I've already mentioned. Remember when they're going up against Mohawk and Mohawk is cheating. Right. So then North Star starts to fight back. Right. Remember, they put the fish in the bathing suit and the person yeah. and, and then when they're playing baseball, hit it to the girl with the big boobs and it goes in her shirt. And like the, they slingshot the guy and stuff. And and then North Star starts to come back like wheels wins at wrestling. Right. And Spaz wins at stack of the cups. You know, he gets a kiss from Jackie, right? And then everyone's like chanting, spaz, spaz, spaz. I don't know, there's some feel-good moments the, the hot dog eating contest, I think is fun for kids. You know, like he's, I don't know, think versus the stomach. I don't know. And then obviously Chris Makepeace's character then doing the final scene when he gets to run. Like the whole Rudy the Rabbit, Rudy the Rabbit scene, it just looks like Chris Makepeace and Bill Murray are having so much fun in that scene. I whatever happened to Chris Makepeace either, by the way, I liked him a lot and I'm going to be for sure nominating another one of his movies sometime. I mentioned earlier, my
0: bodyguard. I was going to say he had more movies. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll look him up then.
1: My bodyguard, man. Even my wife liked that movie. I made my wife. I was like, cause I really liked my bodyguard a lot and it came out in 1980 came out after this and he was in that movie Chris Makepeace was played the lead character and I even made my wife watch it and she's like oh my god that's a
0: really good movie man
1: like it's a movie you've probably never heard of most people I, never heard, heard of
0: it but I don't I've definitely never seen it I remember when I was at Fan
1: Expo I went to the um, the Q&A with uh, with the Cusacks John and Joan Cusack and, and of course if I have to put my hand up and start talking I'm like my bodyguard, and she's like, "Oh my god, that was my first movie." And like John is like, "Ah, no, nobody else here knows about my bodyguard." You know, like this guy's the only one. My bodyguard is really good, but I thought he was good in this too. Chris Makepeace was good. He did a lot of these actors that were in this; they were all Canadian actors, um, and a lot of them, you know, did just did some Canadian stuff. There was a there was a, a TV series around the time called The Littlest Hobo, and a lot of them just did episodes on there and stuff like that. Chris Makepeace did as well. But I, I think I really liked his character because I think even if you just even if you suck at stuff in life, you can still be a hero, you know. Sure. I, and I I don't know. There's just so many things about this movie that just touch me in a lot of ways. I just think it's great. And then of course the movie ends with Morty in his bed on a raft in the middle of the lake
0: on the raft. You know? and, that, and, I, that and I laughed. Scene. That I've seen reused and ripped off and, you know, done it as an homage or straight up rip off in a number of other things, mostly in cartoons. I think The Simpsons did it. I think maybe American Dad did it. Like, I've seen that done many times.
1: And like I say, like, I genuinely laughed at the end of it. And it's just during the credits and he's falling off. And I'm just like, I don't know. There's just an innocence to the whole thing. I know you didn't enjoy the movie you said when you first watched it 2 years ago you didn't enjoy it again but can you at least understand
0: where I'm coming from with some of this stuff I can but since you've never been to camp that it sort of baffles me why I know. you do like it as much as you do but probably eh. because I'm a nerd
1: and and I was like picked on a lot when I was a kid and maybe bullied a lot and I just like the fact that you know that you can still be good at something and maybe be successful and it was kind of I don't know there was and it was kind of innocent too around that time nostalgia is a, power, a powerful drug as I said earlier, uh, Yancey was definitely right. And and I, and so this movie came out right when I was young and I, thought, and I thought it was great and it came on TV and it was edited. So I got to watch it and then I just bought it on VHS and I watched it over and I just there's just something about it. That's always been one of my favorite movies. I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie. Even more than maybe, Star Wars. Maybe, maybe Star Wars. And I know Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws, my favorite movies of all time. But I've probably seen this movie more than any of those movies. Wow. Crazy. I don't know. There's just something about it. Even though it's been 20 years since I've seen the damn thing. But, you know, I don't know. I really like it. But wow. uh, do you have, if you gave it a rating at a one to 10, uh, how bad is it going to be? Five. Oh, wow. Really low. I I would give it uh, probably an eight. Just because wow. of all the reasons, like I said, I just, there's something very endearing. And 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 that's what movies are supposed to be sometimes. Sometimes they're supposed to be funny. Sometimes they're supposed to be scary. Sometimes they're supposed to be dramatic or they have a message. And sometimes they're just supposed to be endearing. And to me, this movie is very endearing. So there's that. Anyway, on that note, what do you say we have some fun with caveman? Okay, my friend, it is over to you. What do you got for me this week?
0: All right. So uh, you made me watch this terrible movie, Meatballs. (laughs) Terrible? Come on. Okay. I won't say terrible. This movie called Meatballs that I didn't care for. All right. And then all the time I'm eat, all the time I'm watching it, I just keep thinking, I could really go for a plate of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> okay. So when I was putting together the trivia, I looked for other movies that have food in the title. Okay. So I'm going to ask you 10 questions. All I'm right. I'm going to give you the, the, a brief synopsis of the film. In some cases, I'll give you hints like who was in it. And in every time, I'll tell you what year it came out. And uh, you got to give me the name of the movie. And the common theme is that every title has, has food a it. food in the title. Okay. All right. We got 10. All right. Uh, Some are newer. Some are older. Some are really older. Uh, I'm thinking you're probably going to do pretty good on most of these. I'm going to say my guess is you're going to get six or seven out of 10. All right. I think I'm going to stump you on a couple of the newer ones, but I think you should do pretty good on most. All right. All right. You ready? Sure. No particular order. In this 1975 Disney classic, three orphan children strike gold in 1878 California, but it's the two bumbling outlaws played by Tim Conway and Don Knotts in their first film pairing who steal the show. The Apple Dumpling Gang. Yes, that's correct. Woo. All right. Yes. All right. In this 1988 comedy horror sequel. Okay. Professor Gangreen, played by John Aston, has developed a way to make this food look human for a second invasion. Fortunately, george clooney and his 80s hair saved the day oh god i have no idea was called return of the killer tomatoes Oh yes oh i didn't know george clooney was in that wow yep and he had big big 80s hair all right just like when he had was in the um the facts of life oh even bigger yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right number three okay after living a life marked by coldness, an aging professor is forced to confront the emptiness of his existence in this nineteen fifty-seven film written and directed by Ingmar Bergman. Oh, Bergman. How well do you know your foreign films? Do I know, know I know, I know I know Bergman often, well. often called Bergman's best film. Although I would disagree, I would say it's the Seventh Seal, but Yeah, I think the
1: Seventh Seal is his best. Um I don't know. <laughs>
0: Wild strawberries. Oh, wild
1: strawberries. Okay, yes.
0: Come on, gotta have food. In it, right? Yep. All right. All sure right. On. You're gonna. You're gonna. Even if you don't know the answer to this, you're gonna love the question. Okay. In this 1988 film, mm-hmm. three teenage girls come of age while working at a restaurant in a Connecticut town. This movie was also Matt Damon's film debut. I have. Oh, wait a minute. Is it Mystic Pizza? It is. Oh Magic yes. Pizza. Yes. Oh nice. yeah. Very good. And apparently, the Connecticut town is called Mystic. Oh, go like, oh, well figure. I didn't know. I've never <laughs> seen it. Nice. But gives you a chance to put in your Matt Damon. Matt Damon.
1: <laughs> we love to do that.
0: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, number five. When a bumbling New Yorker is dumped by his activist girlfriend, he travels to a tiny Latin American nation and becomes involved in its latest rebellion in this 1971 Woody Allen yes. film. I know it's bananas. It is bananas. Yes. Good job. Yes. Figured you'd get that one. Some of these I know are like pretty easy. I'm like, oh, as soon as he knows he's looking for a food, he'll get them. All well, right. Uh, yeah. And I like Woody Allen. All right. Number six. Yep. A housewife who is unhappy with her life befriends an old lady in a nursing home as an in th- and is enthralled by the tales she tells of people she used to know, in this 1991 film. Is it Fried Green Tomatoes? It is.
1: Oh yes. Oh, Have I've you ever seen it? Never seen it. Nope. I've but never I, seen I just kind of deduced it that that was what would
0: be yeah, one of Yeah. No, I figured it is. Me too. Yep, yep. Yep. All right. This one you may or may not get. It's okay. a little newer. All this right. was big when I worked at Blockbuster. Okay. This 1996 stop motion animated feature film. Based on a beloved Roald doll children's book from 1961, features the voice talents of Richard Dreyfuss, Pete Postlethwaite, and Susan Sarandon. I think I know this. I've
1: never seen it. Is it James and the Giant Peach?
0: It is. It yes. is James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Good job, I'm Familiar with it, but I have never seen it. I've never seen it either, but it was huge when I worked at Blockbuster. I remember when it came out, people lost their minds. I'm like, I guess they must have known the book, but never appealed to me all right here's an easy one okay this 1940 john ford classic based on an equally classic book by john steinbeck follows a poor midwest family forced off their land as they travel to california suffering the misfortunes of the of the homeless in the great depression one of the greatest american novels ever written the grapes of wrath indeed it is yes I've never read it Nor seen the movie Oh god You gotta read the book It's so good Blow you away It's on my
1: list Oh it's so good The end of the book Is so phenomenal
0: Let's see how you're doing here So you've Missed that one You missed that one But I think you got the rest So far you're uh, Six out of eight Two to go I think you're gonna Probably split these If I had to guess These are both Do I win anything for this? Do I win uh, like a spaghetti dinner or something like you, that? You get a big plate of meatballs next oh, time. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah, plate of meatballs. I get you a meatball sub. How about right. that? I'll get your meatball up. sub from the subway. Deal. Yeah. All right, these are both <laughs> newer. You got to get at least one of these two, though. These are both uh, a much newer film, so I don't like your chances, but you never know. Yeah. All right. In this 2008 film, a process server played by Seth Rogen and his marijuana dealer played by James Franco wind up on the run from hitmen and a corrupt police officer. After he witnesses his dealer's boss, played by Gary Cole, murder a competitor while trying to serve papers on him, I I've never seen this, but I think it's the Pineapple Express. It is Pineapple yes. Express.
1: I just remember him being in the Stoner movie together, him yeah. and James Franco. Yeah,
0: I I've never seen it in the theater, not really caring for it, and never gone back to it. I am but... totally winning this meatball sub. Yep. All right, last one. Ready? Yep. A local scientist is often regarded as a failure until he invents a machine that can make food fall from the sky in this 2009 animated film based on a 1978 children's book of the same name. So I've never seen it, but my kids watch this
1: all the time and it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Oh, I had yes. to give that one in for the last Very question. good. Last uh, question, had
0: to have meatballs in the Woo. answer. There you go. You did pretty well, good. Ready. Eight out of ten.
1: Eight out of ten. That's not bad. I won, and most importantly,
0: I won the meatball sub from something. meatball sub. Six inch, six inch. I'm not a rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you're, that's a little chintzy, isn't it? <laughs> that's a little chintzy. I don't know, man. Okay, uh, fine. I'll get you
1: twelve inch, but you buy your own coke. <laughs> Okay, deal. I'll come down okay. and we'll do that. And we'll hang out. And we'll play Escape from the Death Star and we'll eat meatball subs. I'll tell and you we'll what. And we'll watch I'll... Titanic 2. And we'll watch Titanic 2, the DVD that you won the other week. And we will split the the 12-inch meatball sub. We'll each have a meatball sub. Watch Titanic 2 and then play Escape from the Death Star. We have so much going on. It's going to be great. Yep. Um, anyway, thanks a lot for at least taking the time to watch meatballs. Derek, I appreciate it. I know you didn't like it very much, but well, uh, it's got to Chris.
0: I actually found the entire movie on YouTube for free i didn't even have to download it or illegally or anything I didn't have to buy it. i was gonna buy it on amazon prime day that just passed and i'm like it's in the hey, public domain. it is on youtube for free wow that's that's amazing i had like i said
1: i had recorded when you had called me that time and said oh it's it, meatballs is on so i recorded it i just had, i hadn't watched it you know since i recorded it still on my pvr and my wife just said it was funny the other day she's like our pvr was getting pretty full i was gonna go in and, and delete some stuff i've got a whole bunch of old game shows in there and then she's like i was gonna delete meatballs i'm like no. <laughs> oh, I have to watch it for the podcast. That would have been awful. But anyway, I, I appreciate you taking the time to watch the movie, so we no can worries. come on here and talk about it. I tell you what, speaking of vacation, I'm in line for a little bit of vacation. I'm going to take some time off, take a couple of weeks off. It's the summertime, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll come back with a with a top with one of our top five lists. What do you think? We'll do that.
0: Well, I like that idea a lot. But uh, don't forget, you can nominate us for the podcast awards. Absolutely. You want to plug that a bit? Sure. You just got to go to podcastawards.com and you can just register
1: to vote. There's a blue button right in the middle. And we are located in the entertainment category. It's the Rob has a podcast entertainment category. Go in there. If you nominate Pop your World for that, that'd be great. And while you're there, nominate a bunch of your other shows. Go through what are your, some of your favorite podcasts and nominate them in the category that you'll find them in. And then, yeah, that'd be great. We'd obviously really appreciate that. But like I say, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll do a top five list at that time. In the meantime, enjoy your vacation, Derek. I will enjoy my vacation. If anybody would like to reach out to us, we will still answer anything on Twitter, at C McBrien or at Amaron underscore DM or go to popgoesyourworld.com, shoot us an email or contact us there. We'd be more than happy to uh, to reach out to you and answer anything in the meantime. But until next time, this is Chris McBrian for Derek Myers saying, thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.